Flamio Hotman. My name's Pauline, and I'm the host of Hello! Podcast here, an Avatar podcast party. Each week, I'll talk about an episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, including a recap, things I noticed, and anything else. So crack open some cactus juice and let's get started. Welcome to the second episode of Hello! Podcast here, an Avatar podcast party. Um... I recorded the first episode. I was I felt really nervous, really tense. That I didn't really know what I was doing. So hopefully, as I continue this podcast, I will get better at it. So thanks for bearing with me. Um, I actually recorded the first episode and released it, um, but I I had to take it off of the podcast uh, streaming services or listening services because I was using music that I did not have the rights to, and had to get rid of them and use something that was already available to me through the Anchor app, um, which is what I'm using to record my my podcast. So it has been quite a learning experience so far, but all in all, definitely having fun with it. And um, yeah, so thanks again for listening, or if this is your first time, uh, my name's Pauline and I'm the host where I talk about everything Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm going episode by episode, so this one uh, will be talking about book one, chapter two, The Avatar Returns. So in the last podcast I mentioned that this episode was aired the same night as the previous episode, so this one uh, was released on February 21st, 2005. It was also written by Michael Dante DiMartino and Uh, Brian Knitsko and directed by Dave Filoni and the animation was done by JM Animation. On to a summary. So following the Fire Navy ship trap, uh, Aang and Katara walk back to the tribe where Sokka banishes Aang and Katara threatens to leave but stays back with everybody else and Aang goes away with Appa but sees a Fire Navy ship floating towards the tribe which then leads to Zuko crashing it into the village that they live in, and he interrogates all of them on where the Avatar is. But Sokka puts up a brave fight against Zuko, unfortunately he fails, but Aang does come to protect them, and that's where it's revealed that he is in fact the Avatar. Zuko then takes him as his prisoner, but unfortunately, in natural Aang fashion, he escapes... Um, Katara and Sokka get Appa to fly for the first time in over a hundred years, which is awesome. And they leave their tribe for the first time ever, and they don't, they don't return for, for quite a while. Um, but they do find Zuko's ship and they help rescue Aang, and this is also the first time we see Aang go into the Avatar state, um, you know, from a hundred years and evades capture once again. And they fly away from Appa and talk about plans for the future. And that was the summary. Great. So I will be taking this time to talk a little bit more about the characters themselves, what they look like. um, And then afterwards, I'll talk a little bit more about their voice actors. I didn't cover this in the first episode because I wanted to focus a lot on the opening sequence. And you'll learn a little bit more about the characters after you watch the first episode so I wanted to talk a little bit more about them in, in this one. So obviously we'll first talk about Aang. Um, Aang is a bald-headed monk. He has the traditional red and gold colored air temple robes. He has a staff which then turns into a glider. He has tattoos. They're blue arrows that symbolize that he is a master airbender, which is pretty impressive considering the fact that he's only 12 years old. Technically only 12 years old. Um, The arrows are copied from the Sky Bison. And, you know, we have Appa here, so you can see Appa has arrows on his head. He has arrows, or, you know, it's part of his fur, so it's, it's a way to signify that, you know, airbenders are students of the the sky bison which is cool so um other things about Aang oh about his arrows he has five of them so you obviously see the one on his head which is then connected to um some parts of the tattoo that go down his chakras or his spine um we'll learn about chakras in I think in in the last season end of no it's end of book 
too. We'll, we'll learn a little bit more about chakras. But he also has tattoos on all of his limbs. So one on each arm, all the way down to his hands. And then one on each leg, which all the which goes all the way down to his feet. So um, what's cool about Aang is that um, one of Kunitsuko's drawings was, you know, a bald man. Like, he was definitely a lot older than Aang, but he was standing next to a, a, a robot monkey, almost. And then he was standing next to a polar bear dog. But, you know, when they were pitching the show, obviously it was going to be, you know, kid-related, something that kids could relate to. So basically they just shrunk Aang down, and that's how they created him, which is really cool. So... One also one thing about Aang and, and being bald is that he's not naturally bald. Um, airbenders, as we'll learn, um, not so much in Avatar, but more so in Legend of Korra, is that they shave their head each day so that they can help them. It, it, it helps them feel the air around them, which is pretty interesting. Um, you know, some women also shave parts of their heads as well. And um, you don't see Aang shave his head until... I think book two in Tales of Ba Sing Se, perhaps? He shaves there. He shaves in book three as well. But, um, yeah, like I said, there's more to it. They talk about it a little bit more in Legend of Korra. On to Katara. So Katara, I kind of talked about her a little bit last episode, but she's young. She's a bit taller than Aang, so she's a little bit older than him. She's tan, um... She has heavy blue water drive robes, but that's, you know, natural since it's super cold down there at all times. Um, she's got the dark hair, signature hair loopies that her brother Sokka likes to point out every now and then. Um, during the show, or especially right now, she's wearing her all of her hair in a bun. And her hair is actually very, very long. But after this episode, or a couple episodes down the line, you'll see her kind of put it in in a braid almost, and then in later episodes you'll see her put it up in a bun and with um, her hair down and curly. It's very pretty, but she has that, um, you know, dark hair, blue eyes thing going on for her. Um, one thing that she doesn't have right now is her water pouch just yet, so you'll see that later on. Moving on to her brother Sokka. Sokka is a bit taller than Katara, he's older than her, and obviously older than Aang as well. He also has those traditional water tribe robes on him, but one thing about Sokka is that he also carries around his boomerang, and then he has a boomerang-shaped pouch that's on his back, and he also carries around um, almost like a sword or a spear, um, and then he also has a whale tooth saber um, spear as well, and his hair is in a warrior's wolf knot, that's what they call it. Um, Katara likes to point out that he's just wearing a ponytail, but it's it's a wolf knot. It signifies that he is a warrior of the water tribe. A lot of the other men um, will be wearing it as well when they're going into war. Keeps their hair out of their face. I don't know, but that's Sokka. Zuko, on the other hand, is pretty pale in complexion. He is tall, you know, fit. He's 16 years old. He's also somewhat bald like Aang, except he has a ponytail and then that ponytail is wrapped up in, you know, a red band and he also, the the base of his ponytail is kind of like in a rhombus shape. So clearly he shaves his head every day as well. Um, one thing that the ponytail represents and some of the other men you'll see later within the, the Fire Nation, they also have buns. So it relates back to... Oh, I'm going to butcher this word. Chonmage, I think. It's it's the Japanese top knot haircut. And with that haircut, um, it symbolizes, you know, your high status within society. And, you know, Zuko, he's a member of the royal family. He has his own ship. He's essentially, you know, the captain of it. He's, he's a high-ranking individual, basically. So it's pretty obvious why he has this type of hairstyle. Um... And then same with his Uncle Iroh. Uncle Iroh also has a bun in his in his head, but he also has his hair kind of down as well, and he has a pretty nice beard. But um, going back to Zuko, one thing that's pretty obvious about him is that he has, like, a huge scar starting from his left eye, you know, down at the bottom all the way back to his left ear. 
and we'll learn I think in a couple of chapters how he got this this scar oh in chapter 12 we'll learn about how he got it because you don't get that type of scar from from anywhere um I know I forget which college did the study but uh someone did a study about villains in shows and in, in movies and the villain usually has some type of mark that is going to define them something that can you know they can look back on one thing one person because he's not really a person someone that comes to mind is scar from the lion king you know he had a scar going down his one of his eyes and he had long black hair and he was a lot skinnier um so yeah that was something i wanted to point out so zuko has has a scar he has something that defines him i guess or Something that is a clear differentiator from everybody else. I talked a little bit about Iroh and his bun. Um, he's also a part of the royal family. We'll learn a little bit more about his heritage and, and you know who he is a little bit later on. But Iroh is a plump old man. He has a great beard. Usually seen drinking tea or playing a game. Even though he's doing all of this stuff, we just, we can't underestimate his power and his strength and just how great of a, a person he is. So, um, even though he is part of the Fire Nation. Moving on to Grand Grand, I know she's a pretty minor character. Um, you don't see her anytime after this episode, actually. She's only in the first two episodes. Um, she also has the hair loopies that Katara has, so maybe it runs in the family. She's really old. She looks like she's the oldest person in the in the tribe. But yeah, she is the grandma of Sokka and Katara, and that's all we really know about her. They don't really talk about her afterwards either. I talked about Appa a little bit when I was covering Aang, but he has arrows on his head. They're not tattoos. He has six legs. He has two horns um, in the front of his head. One thing about his horns is that they're supposed to be in spirals, but th that's really hard to animate. You know, Appa moves around a lot, so uh, they changed it to be a bit more smooth, you know, a little, you know, a bit more straight. That's where Aang kind of ties his, his rope around so that he can guide Appa where to go. So Appa is also 10 tons, so he's really heavy. You definitely don't want him to sit on you or, you know, fall on you at all. <laughs> he's he's pretty heavy. So, and those are the the main characters that we see in this this episode or last two episodes. As we start to meet new characters, I'll also do a deep dive of them as well. Now I'll talk a little bit about the voice actors of each character. So starting with Aang, Aang is voiced by Zach Tyler Eisen. Um, from the looks of it, Zack didn't really go on to do anything else within the industry. Uh, Avatar was the last thing that he did, or that's at least the last thing that was recorded. Um, but before that, he was doing a lot of other Nickelodeon shows. I saw Backyardigans, Little Bill. There were some other movies that he did, um, primarily in, in voice acting. So that is the voice of Aang. For Katara, we have Mae Whitman. May. Um, she is both a voice actor and, um, you know, a film and, and TV actress as well. So you might recognize her from American Dragon Jake Long. She's a voice on there. She's in movies like Perks of Being a Wallflower, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and she's in one of my other favorite shows, um, Arrested Development. So she's fantastic on, on that too. Sokka is voiced by Jack DeSena, and what's awesome about Jack, I, I've, I was a huge fan of All That as a kid, and he was actually one of uh, the cast members on All That, and that was also on, on Nickelodeon. Um, another thing that he's done that I don't know if you guys have watched, um, I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's called The Dragon Prince. It's pretty similar to Avatar, I'll be quite honest. Um, you know, everything's split up into books. There's chapters. Every book is surrounded by a specific, um, not not an element, but a certain thing. So there's like the sun. There's like the moon. There's there's a bunch of other stuff. I won't spoil it, but he is the voice of Callum on that, and he's the main character or one of the main characters. And the Dragon Prince 
Prince is created by Aaron Ehas, who is the the head writer of Avatar. So a lot of overlap there. I think Giancarlo Volpe is also an act, uh, a director on there. Highly recommend watching it. It's it's great. There's three seasons out right now. Um, I'm not sure if there's going to be a fourth season, but um, that's on, on Netflix. And one fun fact about Jack is that he recently had a baby with his fiance back in, in May. So congrats, Jack. Zuko is voiced by Dante Basco. So Dante, he's been in the industry for, for quite some time. Um, his first real big, you know, project or, or movie, if you will, was Hook with Robin Williams. Um, so he played Rufio. He was the, the head of Lost Boys. So you, you've probably watched that. If not, um, definitely give it a, a watch. Um, he was also the voice of Jake Long and American Dragon Jake Long on, on Disney, uh, opposite of, of Mae Whitman. So there's a, a bit of a connection there. Um, he's also in a number of different Star Wars animations. I know they have a lot out there, so he's been in a couple of them. And I won't spoil it, but he also plays a character in uh, The Legend of Korra as well. So one cool thing about Dante is that he released a book called From Rufio to Zuko. And I definitely recommend it. It's it's pretty short. I got it online for maybe about like nine or ten bucks. It talks about his life and career and, you know, how he got to where he is now, his time on, on Hook and also on Avatar, clearly from the, the title, and, and what it's like to be an Asian in Hollywood and, you know, the types of roles that he's offered or that he auditions for and just the the stigma around it. So definitely relevant to Avatar and, and you know, they have a live action series coming out on Netflix, so who knows if he'll be a part of that. He he mentions in the book that he actually auditioned for the live action film um, with M. Night Shyamalan, but did not get the part. I don't know what part he auditioned for, but he didn't get it. So, moving on to Appa. Appa is voiced by D. Bradley Baker, who just... Wow, this this guy, he does it all. If I listed everything that he's done, all of the shows and, and just everything, like this podcast would probably never end. He's in a lot. He does a lot with Avatar alone. You know, he's the voice of Appa. He's the voice of Momo, whom we'll meet in the next episode. And just a bunch of other voices too uh, that you, you probably don't even know. Like he voices a lot of animals. He'll voice people in here too. So, really talented guy. Um, a lot of the voice actors on the show say that he was their most favorite to record with, just because it's amazing what, what he can do. Iroh. Oh, Iroh was the voice, or was voiced by the late Mako. Mako was this incredible actor. He was in Samurai Jack. He was the narrator of Dexter's Laboratory. He was in a number of movies. He was in a bunch of like Conan movies as well, but unfortunately he died um, of esophageal cancer. Um, Avatar was one of the last things that he was doing or that he did. Um, and he unfortunately passed right before book three. Um, so unfortunately he was not able to record anything after that. Um, Greg Baldwin, Fortunately, took over the role of Iroh later on in, in book three. Gran Gran is voiced by Melanie Britt, and she was actually the original voice of She-Ra, Princess of Power, back in 1985. There's a new version or a new show of She-Ra on, on Netflix right now, so I thought it was pretty interesting that she was the, the first voice. And that was the segment on voice actors. Pretty cool. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about the creation of the show, how it got to be, what it was, and yeah. So the show, like when you first watch it, it seems like everything is, you know, put together perfectly. It was like that from the beginning, but it really was not at all. <laughs> In fact, the show is actually supposed to take place well into the future and Aang was supposed to be, you know, from the past. And there was going to be robots, you know, Brian Knitsko, he, you know, was a co-creator, he was a co-executive producer, but he was also the art director of the show. So 
he had a bunch of drawings and he had a drawing of a robot monkey. Like I said before, you know, the, the monkey had the arrow on his head, the bald kid did not have an arrow, and then that huge polar bear dog that had, you know, a bunch of supplies and a backpack on it and other stuff. And that, um, the, the monkey ended up being Momo. You know, obviously the bald kid ended up being Aang after they had transferred the arrow over to him. And then the huge polar bear dog ended up becoming uh, Appa. And the drawing of the dog was saved for the Legend of Korra. So, and at the same time, uh, Mike was watching documentaries of Shackleton's Antarctic expedition, um, where their cruise ship was stuck in ice and they were forced to travel across the cold and, and, you know, they survive and all of that stuff. So Avatar was originally supposed to be, um, you know, or he was, you know, kind of thinking, why don't we do a show about, you know, people getting stuck in, in ice and, and, you know, trying to survive through it. But then it kind of spun into the creation of the Southern Water Tribe and, and of, you know, waterbending. And they combined some ideas with, you know, the drawings and, and with this, um, you know, this expedition and being in the cold. And that's kind of how we we got to Avatar. So uh, Brian and Mike basically had a month to come up with a pitch for a show. And they were working extremely long hours. Eric Coleman was a VP at, at Nickelodeon at the time. And he was the one that they were pitching the show to. And he kept stressing, you know, this is a kid's point of view. This is a kid's point of view. You know, you, you got to make it relatable to kids, but it also can't be, you know, the coming of age story that we have all throughout the show or all the all the shows that they have right now or even on Disney Channel and other other channels. It had to be something completely different from what what was currently on. And so they came up with the idea of what I just mentioned all in about two weeks and they had to put everything together, do storyboarding, character development, drawings, all of that stuff. And um, when they got to the pitch, you know, a pitch is really only supposed to last about, you know, five to seven minutes, if anything, um, less than 10. And they ended up being there for a couple of hours um, and just kind of talking about their passion and, and what they're thinking and uh you know eric was just like i'm i'm on board like but you got to stop talking um because we we got to put this into into production um and he he was sold and which is fantastic so um that's kind of the the whole backstory of avatar and how it was created uh a lot of it they were partnering with people in south korea um brian actually moved there for a couple of months working with the animation team there which was definitely a little bit a little, a little hard you know being away from home and and this was back um i think i think i forget the date around like march 2002 so there weren't you know phones like technology was not the way that it was today um so yeah, it was really difficult to to be in South Korea and, and when your family and friends are over here and you're working on a show and you're working long hours for a show that might not even get picked up with the with the pilot. But, um, you know, fortunately it did get picked up. The pilot was probably around like 12 minutes long. Not the same as the one that we had just watched in, in the first episode. Totally different, same concept, but different voice actors. The animation was definitely a bit different as well. But it got picked up and Nickelodeon gave them 13 episodes uh, for the first season. But, you know, we'll soon learn that they, they definitely got more than 13, that's for sure. Alright, now diving into the actual episode. We start with the opening sequence. Not going to spend too much time on it. Basically, it's a shortened version of what Katara had mentioned in the first episode. But we finally see Aang as part of the, the sequence. He's on his air scooter, runs into a rock. But then at the end of it, he's standing there with the staff looking out into the horizon. And it's great. He's finally there. He um, He's here. He's the Avatar. It's awesome. <laughs> so after that, Aang and Katara come back from the boobied ship and are in a lot of trouble with the tribe with Sokka, with pretty much everybody. So Aang, he probably feels so guilty that he got her in trouble and, and Katara even warned him, like, hey, we're not we're not supposed to go in there. It's a really bad memory, you know, 
they could have traps and definitely one of those like I told you so type of moments but you know it is what it is but unfortunately Aang gets banished by Sokka and you know Sokka has this power he's the eldest male in the tribe if you know what he says goes and and I kind of looked at it banishment it was definitely pretty popular during you know, the time period that they're aiming at, you know, pre-modern China, uh, part of their legal system, they had a lot of other punishments too, but banishment was one of them. And something that I, I noticed, or I, I found, it's kind of a fun fact, not really fun, um, but in the United States, states like Kentucky, Arkansas, and Florida have banishment as one of their punishments for certain crimes like domestic violence and prostitution. So... There is a form of banishment here in the U.S. Where they're banished, I I don't know. Basically, Gran Gran is also agreeing with Sokka. And it's just like, peace out. You're leaving. Goodbye, airhead. You know, you're, you're going. And Katara was really about to risk it all for this boy that she had just met the day before. Like, she was really about to leave her family and her tribe and the people that need her. And, you know, for a boy that just pretty much got her in trouble. And, you know, I know she wants to learn waterbending, but I think part of it is, like, I need to get out of here. Like, I need to, to leave this tribe. She feels really stuck. But, you know, Sokka kind of intervenes and is like, you're really going to leave us? And she ends up staying. Um, you know, Katara's hair, I don't know what it is randomly, but her hair looks a lot lighter in this scene. I feel like it might just be because of the sun. I don't know. But her hair definitely looks a lot lighter than it does in, in the rest of the, the show. Just a random thing I noticed. One fun theme throughout the show is that people, particularly Sokka and Aang, kind of have their priorities all over the place. Uh, you know, Aang just discovered that he's been gone for a hundred years. There's a war that's going on that he could have helped prevent or even end. You know, a lot of the people that he knows is they're probably dead, and and here he is, a normal kid, worried about how messy his room is, and. It just It's just those little things that they add in that just make him, you know, more like a child, more human, and just make the show relatable. Anyways, going back to the, the meat of the episode, Appa, he's still super tired, doesn't want to fly, therefore, you know, strengthening the belief of Sokka that this guy just doesn't fly, you know, whatever. Um, what else? So... Yeah, that, that spark flew into the sky, you know, it's a signal to the Fire Nation, and Sokka's now gearing up for war with the the toddlers, which is, you know, he's the only one, basically. And then it pans over to, to Aang and, and Appa, they're in this little ice sculpture, I guess, and he admits that he likes Katara, which is so cute. But then... He sees Zuko, and I don't know if I talked about this in the last podcast, I, I forget at this point, but the music in this show is so good. I love the music, the track team is fantastic, Oh, it's just, it's fantastic. They match the music with whatever's going on, with the mood and all of that stuff. Maybe I did talk about it. All of that is kind of like coming back to me. Anyways... Everyone in the show has their own theme song. So when Aang spots Zuko's ship, you hear the the Fire Nation theme song, which honestly kind of reminds you of, like, Darth Vader or, you know, Stormtroopers and, and Star Wars. And a lot of the inspiration of the show comes from, from movies like Star Wars. So um, I, I remember watching a documentary on Star Wars or an interview or something and they talked about how they they wanted to have everybody have their own theme music and and music that relates to their personality and and with the fire nation you know it's very deep it's it's menacing like once you hear you know it's the fire nation you know they're coming you know some stuff is about to go down so we'll definitely be highlighting music throughout this podcast i just i think the music is so good and yeah Everybody else has their other own music, so I'll, I'll definitely point those out as we, we go on. So then it pans to both Sokka and Zuko getting ready for this battle that they're they're about to have. And they're they're getting ready in very different ways. You know, Zuko has 
his war armor that he's he's putting on. He has people helping him and, you know, he's not really lifting a finger. People are putting it on for him. Whereas with Sokka, again, he's the only man on, on this tribe. He's putting on the the war paint and it's it's a tradition within the Southern Water Tribe and I think I, I and I think in, in Northern Water Tribe I don't really remember but he does a really good job painting painting this on his face and I don't I don't remember seeing like a mirror or a reflection or anything but he's really good at this and it's very precise it's very crisp and and you know if nothing else works out, he may or may not have a career as a face painter. Who knows? A good backup plan. But one thing's for sure, you know, after all of this, Zuko knows how to make an entrance. You know, he just kind of blows through. And whoever's the captain of the ship or whoever's, you know, sailing it, they do a really bad job of docking because they just run through the village. Um, but they definitely did it on purpose, which is really crappy because that's their home you know anybody could have been standing there all of their stuff was there um but I was looking at avatar extras and they were they joked around saying that now the southern water tribe has a port where you can dock and and you know pull your pull your boats in maybe do some fishing whatever but still unfortunate the circumstances that it brought on them but yeah so Zuko and his ship arrive Sokka, he's super brave in these few moments. Right when Zuko is walking down, you hear the the Fire Nation music again, and it's very terrifying. It's 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 signaling, you know, this is someone that you fear or should fear, and and trouble is coming. Um, so Sokka runs up to Zuko and tries to fight him, but Zuko is just like, get out of my way, kicks him overboard basically but this is the first time that people are meeting Zuko and it's honestly not a very good impression and this is something that they're gonna remember a lot and they're gonna throw in his face and what annoyed me with this and that I really didn't like is how forceful Zuko was with Grand Grand but you know that's kind of how it is in war unfortunately you know you see even with previous wars in our world, you know, everyone's extremely forceful, it doesn't matter what age you are, it's just, it's sad. But what's interesting to me is that Grand Grand does not break a sweat at all when Zuko grabs her. She kind of has just this look on her face, like, yep, this is happening, I'm not afraid, you know, everything's gonna be okay, which is, which is great. But then Sokka comes back and he tries to attack Zuko again, but he gets bested. He gets poked in the head, much like how he was poking Aang when they first discovered him. What's great is that he had Boomerang. Boomerang was on his back. You know, he had it in the pouch. He threw it. And I, honestly, I think Boomerang might be the best inanimate object of the show. If there's another one, definitely let me know. But Boomerang is very strong, loyal, you know, always coming back, super trustworthy, um, but unfortunately, Boomerang really pisses Zuko off. But what's awesome after this is that the penguin comes back and the penguin has Aang on his back and causes Zuko to fall flat on his face because they run right through him. And with this portion, uh, you hear the music behind Aang's entrance. And, you know, it's a lot of strings, a lot of guitars. It's not really music specific to Aang, but it's usually when there's an intense battle going on, or if there's just something, you know, pretty big going on, and most of the time it's it's with Aang. So technically it is Aang music, technically it's not, I don't know. So he comes in, he saves the day, sort of, but really just kind of buys them time and, and their safety. And, you know, he turns around, he's like, hey Sokka, hey Katara, and Sokka's like, yeah, Hey, Aang, thanks for coming. Like, clearly not happy being upstaged by him and, and being upstaged by the guy that he just banished. Like, he's probably so embarrassed, but at the same time, he's, you know, he ha he should be grateful that he's coming in. But, you know, during this time, Zuko's able to get back on his feet. He's surrounded by all of his henchmen. What 
I didn't notice before, but I, I paused it here, is that all of his henchmen are wearing different helmets, and I think they all have the same uniform on, but all of them, some of them have the masks on, some of them have, like, pointy helmets, I think one guy just had, like, a, a hood over his head. I don't know what the significance about that, but Zuko's helmet is not on his head anymore because of Boomerang, so... <laughs> um, I mentioned this before, but the weather in the Seven Water Tribe is very cold. So I, I'm wondering how Zuko and his people are doing in this weather. I, I feel like they would just be cold this entire time. But who knows? Maybe his armor is doing, you know, a good job keeping him warm. Maybe he's able to, to keep him warm himself. Who knows? Then, oh, finally we get to the point where someone outright says that Aang is the Avatar, and, and Zuko kind of outs him, and it's it's spoken out loud, everyone's super surprised, Katara's even a little surprised, even though I, I kind of thought she put two and two together in the last episode, and even asked him to teach her waterbending, so she definitely had a hunch, and her hunch was, was right, you know, he is in fact the Avatar, um... And one of the best lines between Zuko, Zuko and Aang here is, you know, you're just a child and, well, you're just a teenager. And it, again, it's one of those sad moments, like, with Katara and how he had to remind her that she was, you know, still a kid. You know, Zuko has clearly lost his childhood and, you know, n no one gets a scar like that on their face or on any part of their body without a sad story. And he spent years of training and meditating, he said, to hunt this one person down and... I don't know, personally, that doesn't really seem like a, like a fun childhood to me, uh, and, and Zuko's clearly bothered by it, he's, I guess he's kind of triggered by the fact that he calls him a teenager, like, Zuko may, or he might probably think that he is a lot older than he should be, and again, he's 16, so a lot older than Aang, you know, four years older, but, yeah, he's, he's upset, <laughs> so, they take him as a prisoner, Zuko is like, set the course for home, like, I'm I'm going home finally, but he looks so pissed off. Like, he's been he's been banished for three years at this point, and he looks so pissed and just really unhappy. Like, wouldn't he be happy or grateful at all that he's going home? But no, he looks really annoyed. Maybe he's just annoyed at what just happened, but I don't know. I mean, ugh. The face that Aang has when they're shutting the, whatever it is, like the big door on the ship that he gives, like the smile that he gives Katara is just so sad because you know it's fake and it fades so quickly and it just, ugh. it reminds me of a little someone in book two in the city of Ba Sing Se during Lake Laogai. Won't give any spoilers away for those that haven't gotten there yet, but it's just so sad. Like he... You know, he's pretending like everything's okay and he wants to save the girl that he now has a crush on and, you know, it might cost him his life. He doesn't know what's going to go on after this. So, this feels like a good place to take a break. So, I'm going to stop here for a second. When we come back, I'll talk a little bit about what happens at the at, with the rest of the episode. See you soon. Right, I am back. So, Aang just got captured. We're on Zuko's ship now. Zuko says, I'm going home. It pans back to the South Pole Village, and some of the women are gathering firewood for, you know, a fire. And my question is, where the heck are they getting this fire from, or this wood from? Because I don't see any trees around them. All I see is snow. All I see is water. All I see is ice. Where is the wood from? Where are the trees? I I don't know where it's from. Maybe they have a stockpile. Maybe the men, before they left two years ago, went to, you know, maybe the Southern Air Temple or, or something that's close by. Whale Tail Island. I don't know. That That's kind of close to them. Wherever to get wood and they have a stockpile somewhere. I don't know. I'd like to know where the trees are. If you know where the trees are, let me know. If you are also confused, also let me know because I noticed this. 
Ah, anyways, going back to the actual story, no one really cares about the firewood. We have a really cute Sokka and Katara moment. Katara's kind of ranting off about how they need to save Aang and that he's the Avatar and, you know, why Sokka doesn't want to help. But Sokka never says he doesn't want to help. Sokka's basically like, all right, shut up. Are you coming with me or not? He has the boat ready. It was the boat that they used to go fishing. He has it all packed. And it's just so cute because he's, you know, he's her older brother. He's the big brother and he has her back no matter what. And he jokingly says that they're gonna, you know, go, you know, help her boyfriend out and go rescue him. And she's like, he's not my boyfriend, which is so cute. But this is a huge deal for the both of them. You know, even Grand Grand comes over and she's like, you're gonna need these. And it's his, uh, the sleeping bags that they're, they're gonna use. And it's, it's the last time that you see Grand Grand and it's the last time that you see the South Pole. And Again, they've never left home before, and Katara's the only waterbender of the tribe, and she's leaving. And Sokka is the oldest male of the tribe, and he's leaving. And they're leaving them vulnerable to any more attacks. Thankfully, there aren't any attacks, not that I know of at least, but it's still a really big deal that they're leaving, and the fact that Grangren's okay with it is... is cute. And she talks about their destiny in the show, and we talk about destiny a lot. It comes up pretty frequently, you know, destiny, honor, balance, all of that stuff. So it's another one of those those conversations. But you almost forget, you almost do, you almost forget about Appa and the fact that, you know, Aang got there somehow. But Appa's been there the whole time. He's been listening in. He saw that, you know, Aang was captured and he roars a little bit. So D. Bradley Baker comes through and they take Appa instead of their their little boat. And then we hear the dark music for the Fire Navy ship again. And oh, Zuko makes this little dig at Aang for not having a father or parents. Because he, he takes the staff and he's like, oh, this is going to be a great gift for my dad. You wouldn't know anything about that, would you? But one thing with the Air Nomads is... You know, they're, they're just that. They're nomads. They were born, but they're not attached to parents. They're not raised in the traditional way that, you know, Zuko would be. But instead, they're raised by monks, and they had mentors, and, and learned their beliefs that way. And they're not really attached to worldly things. You know, they have a temple that they reside in, but there's four temples total all throughout the world. And they're, they love traveling, and, and that's how they are. So Aang doesn't seem to be too phased by this comment, I guess. Um, and, and I don't know, but it was still a little like, whoa, Zuko, he's, he's really trying something here. But yeah, so where are, are we now? Right, so Appa is swimming in the water. They haven't given him the command to fly yet, and Sokka clearly has no faith that it's ever going to happen. And Sokka names a bunch of things. He he rattles off a lot of different types of commands. But my favorite one was ascend. He's like, go, up, ascend. And the way that he says it is just so, so funny. But it was really funny to me to, to hear that. And he finally gets yip yip out of, out of nowhere. He's like, yeehaw! And all that stuff. So... Appa is finally flying, and he's super graceful with it. Really cute, and, you know, Sokka's obviously like, Oh my god, he's flying! He's like, well, never mind, that's not a big deal. Doesn't want to show the emotion, doesn't want to show the fact that he is impressed. He has to keep up that facade. Then we switch back to Aang, and he is causing quite the scene to find his stuff. He's airbending all over the place. Gets the ropes cut off his hand. Um, and he even walks in on Iroh. And <laughs> Iroh's sleeping. Sleeping throughout this entire, you know, expedition that, that's happening. Doesn't even realize that they captured the Avatar. But the way that they they animated this part, you know, where he apologizes. And he's like, sorry. And he's slowly shutting the door. But his lips are still extended. It, it reminded me of... Spongebob and I, I'm a huge 
to this day, I'm still a huge Spongebob fan, but especially when I was younger and around this time, you know, I would watch it nonstop. So Grandma's Kisses, uh, that one episode where Spongebob is like, I am an, I'm a man, I'm an adult, I don't need you, Grandma, and like doesn't want her cookies, doesn't want her kisses because he gets super embarrassed by them. But then Patrick comes in and kind of swoops up his grandma and takes over. So when Spongebob is like leaving, he does the same thing with the door and he's like so long and his lips are, are curved and they're, they're pursed like that and he's slowly shutting the door. So it's like, it's almost the exact same animation. It's really funny. So just wanted to point that out. Both Nickelodeon shows. So then you walk into Zuko's room, Aang finds the staff, but it's really just a trap. You you get a good view of Zuko's room, you know, there's a standard Fire Nation decorations, there's the banners, but you do see his dual broadswords hanging on the wall as he's shutting the door and as they fight. A really interesting decoration, interesting antiques, will definitely learn a little bit more about these these swords later on and then he also has this little meditation area with candles and there's like a dragon on the wall um so with dragons i don't know if we talked about this yet i think they talk about it a little bit more later but um dragons were the first known firebenders on earth that are super sacred so i guess he's kind of meditating or, or i don't want to say praying to them He's doing something with them to, to be a bit more spiritual, I guess. But then there's fight music. You know, that starts back up again. The best part, I think, with this scene is that Aang, like, slams him, slams Zuko with the mattress. And the fact that Zuko's not knocked out is just, it's mind-blowing to me. Because he got hit pretty hard, like, against the wall and then against the ceiling. And, I don't know, I just thought it was really funny how quick it was but then we see Aang trying to escape on his glider but Zuko just like jumps from the the watchtower like it it was a really far and a really high jump We're super impressive you know we definitely see Zuko do this a couple more times throughout the show but that that guy has no fear I would definitely throw up if I did that or I would just fall flat to my face but then we see Appa, you know, in the distance as they're fighting and distracts Zuko. He's like, what What the heck is that? And it's overlooked because just like how Aang disappeared for over 100 years, you know, the, the Sky Bison was extinct from the war. You know, they were also at the air temples. So Appa is like a living relic. He's the last living Sky Bison and no one's seen one for over 100 years. And this is the first time that someone besides Aang and, and the Water Tribe that people are actually seeing him. So Aang gets knocked out into the water. He's drowning. It's resembling what happened to him, you know, a hundred years ago and how he kind of landed in, in that iceberg. But then he goes into that glowy state. He's in the Avatar state. He's doing some sick water bending, creates that water vortex and lifts himself up in the water and then just whips everybody out into the the ocean. And one thing that I, I like about the Avatar state is just how wrinkly he gets, I guess, in his face. Like, he just, like, he gets that anger. He has all this power. But the fact that his whole face goes wrinkly is just really funny to me. But one thing with this, and again, pointing this out, the music. So the Avatar state has specific music to help indicate, you know, that, that power that he's holding while he's channeling, you know, this, you know, the spirit, you know, the, all the previous avatars within him, he's channeling all of their powers into one and, and, you know, is using that to his advantage and, you know, the avatar state is definitely very special. So the music obviously has to be pretty special as well. But one thing that I notice here is with Zuko and, I paused and I looked at it. It's at 17 minutes and 38 seconds. His face is just so... It's not like any any expression that we've seen so far. You know, he's showing real confusion and fear. And up until this point, he's only really shown just anger and authority. But, you know, the Avatar State's super tricky. You know, as you can see, he entered it 
when his life was in danger, but it doesn't really seem like he has full control over it. And after he, he kind of exits the Avatar state, he's like falling over, he's passing out, he's super tired, really like an out-of-body experience that just, just wears him out. And most of the time he has no idea what happens during the Avatar state, he kind of wakes up in a trance almost. Um, but then Sokka and Katara come down and, and scoop him up, put him on Appa. Uh, Aang goes, or Sokka goes to get Aang's stuff, and Zuko is like holding on to it. And is, again, super impressed by Zuko's strength. He's holding on this long on the side of the ship and he's crawling and, and pulling himself up. But what's great is that uh, Sokka pokes him in the head three times, just like how Zuko did to him and how Sokka did with Aang. It was just, it's really funny. So that was fun. But Katara also demonstrates some water bending. Clearly she hasn't mastered it yet because she accidentally freezes Sokka, but she freezes the henchman by doing some ice move behind her. But <laughs> while she's doing this, Sokka is still frozen. And just one of his most iconic quotes, you know, just a guy with the boomerang. I didn't ask for any of this magic. And boomerang is definitely his signature thing. It's kind of what he's known for since he doesn't bend. But one thing that I, I noticed is that Katara just doesn't unfreeze him. And she probably doesn't know how. But she's just like, Sokka, hurry up. <laughs> she's the one that did it. So, you know, he at the end of the day, he freezes himself out. Or unfreezes himself and breaks himself out. And they fly away. But as they're flying away, Uncle Iroh wakes up from his nap. And sees the bison flying away. Which is just so standard of him. He's like, you know... He's that, that funny, you know, comic relief guy, but um, he has no idea what's going on. And <laughs> he helps Zuko out. He pulls him up from the chains and they do some pretty powerful firebending that you know extends pretty, pretty far. But Aang is a beast and he takes his staff and almost hits it like a baseball bat and causes like this mini avalanche onto the ship and leaves the ship in... You know, it's pretty badly damaged. And the henchmen are all frozen. A lot of them are injured from getting whipped. Zuko is kind of stuck there. But he's he's right. You can't underestimate the 12-year-old. What's great with this scene is that Iroh is still looking at the bright side, the silver lining. Like, yeah, you didn't catch the Avatar, but good news, you found him. And he's only 12 years old. So you almost saying, like, Zuko has a chance. So... Yeah, so that's the last time that you see Zuko for this episode. Then it kind of pans over to the Avatar, or to Aang and Appa, Sokka, and Katara, talking about, you know, why he just, you know, he never wanted to be the Avatar, which is so sad. Has never really said it out loud, I guess. Um, but the song in the background, or the theme, is the, I think it's called The Avatar's Love, it's just one of my favorite tunes in the whole series. It's performed with a kalimba, which is um, a small African piano that you hold kind of like in the palm of your hands, almost like a almost like a handheld video game like like that. And there's keys that you, you press and it just produces a really like soothing sound. And this song usually plays when there's a special moment between Aang and Katara or with the group in general. And this is definitely a, a special moment. You know, they just rescued him. They're talking about something pretty deep. And one thing that I love with just the the animation, again, the art direction, the the just direction in general, is the, the clouds that go by them. So you see you're talking or you hear them talking and this dark cloud kind of passes by them and leaves a shadow on them. And the significance of the clouds was just so cool. If you didn't notice this, definitely go back and look at it. So that dark, windy cloud goes by them as Aang is talking about his struggles and, and you know, dealing with his destiny and, you know, what's going on. But then it kind of pans out to a wider lens almost. And there's some light shining down from the sky. It's almost like a beam and they, they end up flying through it. And that's when Katara is saying, well, 
you know, this this is a good thing for you. You know, we've been waiting for years for the Avatar and for hope, and now you're here and you can bring that. And, you know, they start talking about, you know, the plans and how to end the war. And this conversation right here basically just sets up the entire show. You know, she's like, well, you have to learn water and then you have to learn earth and then you have to learn fire, which is the the three books that we'll, we'll see and we'll watch. So they basically just set up the entire show for us here, um, you know, high level overview, but the, the clouds and the weather you'll see, um, play a really important role and in, in significance within the rest of the show. But what's cute is that, you know, it, it ends up or ends with a, a cute moment. You know, Aang is again, just a kid at the end of the day, despite what he just did with with those fire navy people, um, he still wants to do some, some like kid stuff. He wants to ride the elephant koi. He wants to go do this and that, and you know, along with his avatar journey, which is just so characteristic of him because he's he's a kid, and that's kind of how the show ends. You know, th this episode was interesting. It didn't end with the typical outro music. It ended with the with flutes I guess so that's that's the end of the avatar returns so for me the showstopper of this episode was Aang going into the avatar state and just kicking butt for sure because it's the first time that we really see him actively do something in the avatar state and it's just it's it's so interesting to see and everybody around him is really surprised too so he does a lot you know he takes down all of these people as a 12-year-old boy. Favorite character of this episode? It's it's a tie, obviously, between Aang. Um, but also Sokka. I, don't, I just think Sokka was really funny. But he is also really supportive. And, you know, he doesn't like Aang. But he's gonna help him and, and rescue him no matter what. Really cool. Really good of him. So, overall opinion. You know, a good episode. It showcased Aang's power. And his ability, but you know, we'll remind you that he's still a kid, and, and the scenery was great. The use of the surroundings and the weather to match the tone of the dialogue was also awesome. And just music, the music is always on point. I'm gonna say that every episode at this point. Um, but my question for, for you guys what was your favorite part of the episode? Definitely let me know. You can email me you know, Instagram. I also discovered this cool feature within Anchor, um, which is, again, the, the podcast platform that I'm using where you can send me voice messages and I can actually include them into the podcast. So I tried it out. It looks like you need to use Safari on an iPhone to do it. I'm not entirely sure about Android phones or Google phones, but if you wanted to do that, you can go to anchor.fm slash hello podcast here and it should be there somewhere um i'm still figuring this out myself but if you you don't want to do that that's totally fine email instagram whatever is totally fine some notes from the last podcast uh that i i looked up so i mentioned the calligraphy from the show and the scriptures so siu long lee was the artist that they used for calligraphy and specifically around archaic Chinese. So she she does a lot of work with this this show. You know, there's there's scriptures pretty much all over the place. So great job. Wanted to give her a quick shout out. You know, if you want to take a look at her, if you want to look at her stuff, Siu Lung Li is her name. And oh, another thing with the last episode, or the last chapter, is that it was not the original pilot. So there is another pilot out there that is completely different from what we've seen in the last two episodes. It was around 11 to 12 minutes long, different voice actors. So I'm definitely going to try and see if it's out there, and because I, I really want to watch it. So, And that's it for book one, chapter two, The Avatar Returns. Uh, tune in next week where I will be talking about book one, chapter three, Southern Air Temple. As always, thanks again for listening and sending me things to talk about. 
write an email to hellopodcasthere at gmail.com for any questions, feedback, or things you want to hear about for future episodes. Follow me on Instagram at hellopodcasthere for the latest updates or just to say hi. Disclaimers, I am not associated with Nickelodeon, Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, or anything related to the contents discussed in this podcast. I'm not being paid to talk about or promote Avatar The Last Airbender, I'm just a fan of the show. Hello Podcast Here, an Avatar Podcast Party is created using the Anchor app.